0: Savoring Sweetness, the life and times of Walter Payton.
1: Welcome to Savoring Sweetness, the Walter Payton podcast. I'm Rick Tarsitano, joined in studio again two weeks in a row by Jared Payton. How's it going, JP?
2: Listen, man, that normally does not happen. I'm normally (laughs) buzzing out of here, but you know, I was like, Ricky T, let me sit down and relax with him for a little bit, chop it up. Just to get straight into it.
1: Can you explain to people what he means to you personally and to your family? I mean, I think people know how close your dad and him were on the field, but how close you two have gotten since his passing.
2: Yeah, Matt is uh, basically the—he's the the father figure that I call if something's going on. He is also the person that my dad. Um, and trusted his image and likeness, so basically looks over uh, the family's estate and makes sure that um, everything is where it needs to be. Whether that is from jerseys to any type of business deal, Matt is a part of with our family, and so he has been um, huge in my development as not only as a father but also as a businessman. He's taught me so much. And I never thought that I would be talking to him as much as I talked to him, but even today I had a chance to talk to him on the phone and It's so weird because he saw me in diapers. He's known me like since you know in those 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 years when I was in middle school and probably not acting right. He knew me in college and you know, in high school, all that stuff. but now it's a totally different relationship. It's like.
1: Yeah, if you want somebody to sharpen your business skills with, I don't know much about him, but just being in his office and seeing all of the different things that he's had his hands in and and continues to do, like, he was the hardest interview to lock down strictly because he is extremely... That's not to say the other guys aren't busy, but But this guy's schedule is ridiculous. Yes, I
2: mean, China, he's over, I mean, he's been in the bottled water business forever and from the early nineties and he's taken that and has become very, very successful. And he's a hard worker. I tell he's him, hustling. I, I tell him that he needs to <laughs> slow down a little bit. But he doesn't listen to me and I understand why, but that's just the way that his motor works. And it's funny because I hear stories about, he used to practice in the eighties and then take the train downtown to the board of trade and like work as well. Like he, like
1: you're we, talking about during his playing during days during his playing days. He'd go and
2: Yeah. He was a trader. He went down. Like it's just insane to think about that now. Could you imagine no,
1: no. a football I, player doing that? I can't imagine a football player doing half of the things that he's doing in on the business venture side after their career, but to do that during your career is absolutely insane. Um what do you hope people know as far as how important he was to your dad and to your mom and to you as a kid um, during that time? Because that's not something that he was very comfortable talking well, about.
2: Yeah, he, I mean, he was a, a big help, especially for my dad. Him and my dad were, you know, super close. But at that moment, at that time period of when my dad was sick, and Matt was over at my house all the time. They were having conversations. Um, My dad just um, had this, the the trust into not letting a lot of people in, but letting Matt in and Matt and my dad just were through that whole entire process. He he was just there and he was always there and it never kind of came up. Like my dad never was like, yo, Matt's going to be here always for you. Right. It never happened that way. Matt, Decided because of his relationship with my dad and the the friendship that they had, that he looked at my family as his family. And that's how it's always been. It's just how it's always been. And Matt's doing all the things that he's doing um, out of the kindness of his heart, and it's not like he's... He he, he just... You want to know about friends, and you want to... Everybody always talks about... uh, the Brian Piccolo story mm-hmm. and Gale Sayers. And listen, there, there needs to be a movie on my dad and Matt because those two were best friends. And it goes to show when you have a running back and a fullback, that fullback, he he runs in there and blows up linebackers for you and makes sure that you can do your thing and get to the end zone. He doesn't always get a lot of the credit, but the guy running the rock does. That was the relationship on the field, and it's the relationship off the field. Matt rarely gets the credit. He doesn't want the credit, uh, but he he is – when it comes to my dad, it, he is – you don't want to mess around. He holds my dad to to the highest level. Everything that has my dad's name on it, he looks at and says – It's, oh, it's got to be top notch, whatever it is, because that's what the standard, that's the standard that your dad set. And him saying that is over and over in my head makes me have to look at myself and go, man, like you're doing stuff and you're not giving it your all. You have to. It's, it's, you got to give it your all. It might not always be top-notch, but you got to give top-notch effort. If you do that, you can be successful because sometimes the ball is going to bounce your way, and once it does, you're ready for that opportunity and you take it to another level. And Matt has shown me that. He he's That's my guy, man. I, it, it, Rick, it literally blows my mind that I'm sitting here having this conversation at 38 years old that Matt and I are, like, as close as we are. Like, we – we are super close, and who would have ever thought? And we're not best friends, but he opened. He's there to talk to me when I need him. He's there to keep me on 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 point like my dad would do. He's there for business stuff if I need that. He's there for that. He's he's just always there.
1: Where's he? Where's he when Penn State plays Miami?
2: He's cheering on Penn State, but he knows what time it is, man. Oh, we're trying to get back there. <laughs> he's still upset that I didn't go to Penn State
1: is he really yeah
2: you know that was like he was i didn't in. hear that come yeah, up he in the was, list of schools he was in on it yeah that was the fourth place that i visited oh, okay. and he was like he was heated that i didn't go there <laughs> but you know what it worked out for the best you know got me a natty i'm cool in miami <laughs> it all rhymes
1: <laughs> do you remember the first time you met him
0: um i really don't but um no i really don't uh he wasn't particularly um, friendly to me I mean, he wasn't unfriendly, but he wasn't really that friendly until really our second year. Um, and I had uh, fumbled on the uh, going in at the end of the game against the Packers in my second year. I, I got the starting job. If you're drafted in the second round, you're going to have to start sometime. So they, they started me and, and actually I played pretty well the whole game and uh, I fumbled going in and on the half yard line, lost the ball. Then the next week we played in San Francisco and Walter fumbled, not as bad as as I did, but he fumbled and, um, and that night you come home, you come immediately home after the game. And we got in at two o'clock in the morning and I was living with another player, Dave Williams, and Walter walked up to my car and knocked on the window and said, where are you going? I said, we're going out to get something to eat. And from that from that time on, we talked over dinner. We talked about uh, five, <coughs> six in the morning. And, uh, and from that point on, it was we he were, we were, was pretty good to me, and, and uh, I tried to be as good to him as he was to me.
1: All the guys point to you as being the closest to him on the team. Did and I know you just went through how it's the genesis of that. Did you feel that way? Did you did you know? Did you know that you were while it was going on? Because Connie said he didn't really open up to a lot of people.
0: Um, no, he didn't. Um, he was extremely private. Um, uh, yeah, I, I got pretty close with him. And, uh, uh, of course, I would tell him things, he would tell me things. And uh, um, it, we had a great relationship. Um, it, it, it was really good over the many, many years and up until when he got sick. You um, know, when I, one of my, I played, I think seven years with him, um, and we got, we got to be pretty close. I mean, on the field as well as off the field. Uh, probably is, we're, we're close, closer off the field than we were on the field.
1: What made him the greatest ever, in your opinion? Yeah,
0: he was, he was great at every aspect of the game. Uh, whether it's running the football, whether it's power, uh, power football, whether it's making people miss, whether it's running a pass route, whether it's picking up the blitzes. I mean, he was good at every phase of it and, and not just good, but great. I mean, he was, he was good. Um, uh, and I was, it's really impressive to go back and look at him, um, you know, to some of the things that he did do early on and later in, in his career. Um, it was, uh, he was really, really special. Um, his, was he the greatest? I think he was, but, you know, there's, there's Jim Brown and there's Franco Harris's and there, there's some other people who will say differently, but I, he was awful special.
1: Was there any one thing that, that, like a moment where you started to recognize, like, wow, this could be, this guy could really be the greatest ever.
0: <clears throat> yeah, there was a game up in Green Bay, the game that I got hit late in the game that he got pushed out. And, uh, uh we had a really, uh, it was a very physical game against the Packers. Uh, and they always played this tough. and they always played this tough. And there's a game or there's a play where he broke a couple of tackles. It was only a 43 yard run, but, uh, it changed the game around, it changed the game around and, uh, uh, it, it gave us, I think it gave us the lead and, and, uh, I mean, he broke three or four tackles and, and just when we needed it, you know, it was really uh, um, it was it was special. I mean, this, he came through it at, at the right time,
1: which he always did. Is that really the knack that you think pushes him over is is just his penchant for being clutch like that? Like right when you guys need something, he'd be able to. Double.
0: Yeah, he, he just he's always he always made the play when you know he always gave the ball to him you know, most of the time and, and, and rightfully so. Uh, but he's he was just so he was so good at every aspect of the game. Um, whether it's running a pass route or whether it's picking a guy up in the blitz. and he made some big plays, you know, picking guys off the he doesn't get really credit for that as well. Right. Uh, and, and and you know he only missed one game in, in in the thirteen years, and so he's always he's always he's always there.
1: McMichael talking to him about your relationship on the field he said that you were the perfect person to pair with him because you set up guys in ways that they wouldn't nece- that you wouldn't necessarily think is the right way to go like you'd bring a guy out further because you knew that walter was going to go back. yeah what i mean was those conversations that you'd have with walter or was that just a feel thing where you just developed
0: no i think it was just a feel i mean he was so good at setting setting the blocker up or setting setting me up and he did the same thing for calvin thomas as well he was just so good at, at uh, just approaching the game and, and just, he had a natural instinct. And uh, I, I don't want to get emotional, but it was just, uh, he he was the best I played with by far.
1: Do you almost feel like he was better off the field as a person than he was as good as he was on the field? Yeah, and
0: that's exactly how I would say it. As great as he was on the field, he was even better off the field. And uh, I, I remember a story that uh, uh, <clears throat> Mike Lanigan, he was he was into IndyCar racing. Walter was a big fan of Indy car racing. And he, the, the summer before he, he passed away, um, he signed an autographs down at the Indy 500. And they had a huge line. And it was already announced that he was he was sick. And it was beyond. It was back for 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 half a mile, and uh, and he got a little tired. And Mike walked up to him and said, "Listen, Walt, are you okay? Are you okay?" And he said, "Let me take a break, but I'm going to sign everybody's." And that's kind of how he was. I mean, that's that's the kind of person he was, and 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 how he treated the fans, um, and how he treated everybody. Uh, especially the fans. He, I mean, he he was kind of born to be a, I mean, a superstar, and, and it, just the way he treated people, and that's and that's what you know the NFL, named the man of the year after him, and and they got it right. They really got it
1: right. Do you feel like that's why he was as beloved in Chicago as he was? Just because, that maybe combined with his work ethic. What what do you think it was that fans just cherish so much about him?
0: He was good to everybody. He was patient with everybody. Um, He didn't like some people that were getting four, five, six, eight autographs and and selling them. He didn't, we didn't love that, but he was, he was good to everybody. I mean, really, really, he was patient. Um, um, Even when he got, he got sick, he was really, really just patient with people and and everybody mobbed him. Um, I tell a story when when uh, he used to fly, he—he he was trying to—he uh, wasn't trying to. He was a uh, helicopter pilot. Well, when he, when we—I flew up with him to um, to Platteville, and and I we we got out of the—he got out of the helicopter, and everybody followed him. I walked like I was, you know, like it was—it uh, was kind of funny. I just walked away and like I was. Wasn't even there. It was kind of funny. But he he brought a big crowd to him and, and uh um he, he just was a he was as great as he was in the field, and I keep saying that, he was really a good guy. Really, really a good guy.
1: Does the prankster side of him did, that, did oh, yeah. that happen to you at all? Oh
0: yeah. I was the benefit I was the beneficiary of a few of those. Uh Donna? Yeah. Remember he called you up? <laughs> And uh, he had a high, real high voice, and he's crying on the phone, and, I'm pregnant, and this and that. It was, it was him, and you believed him for a while. <laughs> no, but he, he was, yeah, he's a big prankster, for sure. Most of the time, I wasn't the victim.
1: One thing that Connie said when he, she first brought him home was is that he was just really quiet. Like, he was just a quiet guy by nature.
0: When when he got when he was sick.
1: No, when she, when yeah. he she brought him home to meet her parents for oh, the first okay. time. Oh yeah. It's just surprising to me <laughs> because he seems so you know gregarious yeah. and he's like Jarrett, where I hear stories of him never meeting a guy picks him up, gives him a, a giant yeah. hug. Barry Sanders yeah. said the first time he met him, he he didn't know what he was going to do and he picked yeah. him up and like spun yeah. him around in a circle. Yeah. Was he with you? Was he like that, or did you see a different side? Did you really able to see a different side of him?
0: Um. Yeah, he was like that to a certain extent, but not really. Uh, you know, he he we, we got close. We dressed right next to each other, so our lockers were right right beside each other. And uh, um, yeah, he was he was he was wonderful to me. And he, he, you know, that picture. Where is that one picture of him pulling my pants down? You know, that's a That's typical him. You know, I think I said something to him, you know, uh, you can't, you know, I used to put, put uh, waste around my, or tape around my waist, and, uh, and I didn't have it, I, did, I forgot it that day. He, he said, I'm going to put your pants down. So the next thing you know, I'm trying to get back, and he does it right in the middle of a, you know, of a play or whatever, so it was, it was funny, now, and that was his Christmas card. In like '91 or '99 or whatever it was, in the, in the he says taking a peak in the next year, man, it wasn't such a good peak.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, if you, you were you were on the Super Bowl team, right? Yes. Yes. Does it did did you? I was talking to Connie, and, and she said that um, his agent had to basically pull him out of a broom closet because he was so upset. Did you did yeah. you feel? I mean, you scored in that game, right? Yes. Did you feel bad at all? Like, did you, was it even, were you cognizant during?
0: Yeah, I think everybody was a little bit of aware of it. I don't think Mike Dick had, had any, any idea or Ed Hughes, who was up at offensive had any idea. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely knew that he, um, that he was upset about it, and, and, and I flew home with him. Um, and we, we flew home separately from the team. And uh, yeah, he was he was upset about it. Um, you know, later on, you know, years years later, I used to say to him, "You might be the greatest football player of all time, but I scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and you didn't." And he he told me, "I would not say he'd say read between the lines." <laughs> That's what he used to say. So it was, uh, and no, it was definitely upsetting to him, no question. And I think I really believe it was an oversight. Mike or, or Ed uses. Uh, I just don't think they, they kind of forgot it. They got caught up in the in the game. Which, which doesn't excuse it doesn't excuse from them not doing it.
1: Right. But. I guess one thing that Jared had said that might have been kind of a reason for it is he trained every day to be great. Mm-hmm. And to be in those moments. And that kind of could have been a capping moment for him. And not to dwell anymore about the Super Bowl part. But were you, did you get a could you put in perspective how hard he trained, how hard he worked?
0: Yeah, They're unbelievable. Really, on, on every aspect of the game, whether, whether him running hills, him you know, getting his legs in, in, in shape, um, you, know, you, you have to realize it's a 16-game uh, season. And, and he, you know, the first quarter of the game, first four games, you know he's he's good, but it's the lat. What he worried about was that last four games, and 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 he's going to be as strong and as great shape as he was in the first four. Uh, and he was a big believer. You had it got to play the whole season. If you get you know he never really got hurt. I mean and he missed the one game, which I don't think. Looking back on it, I think he could have easily easily played if he and they held him out. They they held him out. I don't think that. Um, it wasn't his by his choosing.
1: Right. So. Did Did you ever run the hill with him? Did a, he, a little bit. Yeah. What What did bit. you think of the hill?
0: It was tough. It's tough. Yeah. But I was born in, at Penn State, uh, born and raised in State College, Pennsylvania, and, uh, and we were wrestlers, and uh, we ran a lot of hills. And Penn State was kind of hilly, um, so we did we did run a lot of hills. So I was kind of used to it. Uh, but he But he worked at it. I mean, he worked out at the at the boat ramp in Lake Forest, and uh, and he had his he had his uh, in Arlington Heights. He had the hill there, um, and he was in great shape. I mean, great shape.
1: Is it surprising to you that a superstar would work that hard? I mean,
0: no. I mean, that's kind of what his nature was. I mean, he he just worked hard. He wanted to be the best at every aspect of the game, and uh, if he had an ego, that that's where it was. Um, uh, and and he was. I mean, he really. Um, I mean, the the way he played and how he played is so physical, and he never really got hurt. I think you can, can you can say that all the work and all the, him him he was in great shape, and I think that's the the reason why.
1: Because he was, like that and so durable. Was it Do you remember when you found out he was sick? Do you remember? like how you reacted.
0: Yeah, we were, we were just talking about that. Um, um, yeah, it was, it was in December, um, and, and he, we went out to dinner, and, and he told me uh, he's got a problem, and, he, and he, he told me what it was, and uh, so in the next couple of days he was going to Mayo, and I, I said to him, I'll go with you. And he, he turned to me and he said, OK. And I thought, oh, man, if he wants me to go with him, something must be really up. Uh, I mean, not, not that he wouldn't, but it was, um, yeah, the news wasn't, uh, it wasn't, um, it gave me some hope, but not a lot. It was definitely, uh, of all the people that you would think, he was healthy, he ate healthy, um, he worked out. He was in great shape. Um, that'd be the last guy you would think that would get the, this disease. And and I guess it doesn't. Uh, well, he'd be the last guy I would thought that would have gotten sick.
1: Connie said that he never complained about anything when he played. After the fact, he got sick. I Means that that kind of sum up just how tough he was. I mean.
0: Yeah, and he, he he was tough. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh on the field uh, I mean, uh, he was he was he was great. And he could take he could take a hit, he can give it a hit. Um yeah, he he was he was the toughest guy that I know. Uh maybe my dad, but <laughs> but um, yeah, and he never really complained um I, I, we spent I spent some time with him when he got it we got sick and uh, um, never complain you know, never asked why me or whatever but
1: the statue I don't know yeah. if you you got a chance to see it oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you, what do you think you would have thought about having a statue in front of Soldier Field? I
0: think you would it would be unbelievable it well deserved I mean for me it was well deserved and in in Thank God the city and, and, and the mayor and everybody decided to, to do this and, and, and Coach Alice as well. But um, yeah, I think it's wonderful. I, I think the city got it right and, 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 yeah, and, and the Bears and, and Mrs. McCaskey.
1: When he did pass, she came out and said, and you could tell that it was genuine emotion, mm-hmm. that they didn't want to get close to anybody after Brian Piccolo, but they couldn't help themselves. Yeah. Is that just kind of how his personality was? Yeah,
0: and, and Walter was close to to Ed Ed McCaskey, really close to him, and, and um, yeah, he was on the board of directors of the Bears, and uh, uh, and Mrs. Hallis has been wonderful, and, and George has been wonderful, I and mean, they really the McCaskies have really, um, um and they've been wonderful to the Paytons, and and I, I'm really impressed with 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 what. The, has accomplished here in, the, in the, and, and with the statue and, and Ted Phillips as
1: well. When you think of Walter, what do you think of? What do you, not, I don't want to ask you what you think he would want his legacy to be, but what do you see his legacy as?
0: I mean, he was so durable and so good at every aspect of the game. It, it's tough to, as a as a player, that's him as a player, but I think Again, just the way he treated people, whether you're whether it was a, a little boy, whether it was a guy playing football, whether it was a, an adult uh, or a grandmother, he treated everybody so really. I mean, it's, it's it's it was it's a lesson on how to be a celebrity. Um, it really was. He treated people really, really well, regardless of how he felt. You know, you know, a lot of times, you know, him playing football, he got he got beat up pretty good. Never complained, but he got beat up pretty good.
1: Do you think that Jim McMahon said that maybe if they didn't, before he came, he said the first thing that Walter ever said to him was after he called an audible, the offensive line chewed him out because they said, what was that play? I've never heard of that play. And he said, well, there's they're all set up over here, and I don't want to run Walter into that wall. And Walter said, keep on doing what you're doing. And McMahon said, if they if those early years weren't as bad, he might have been able to play a couple more years.
0: Yeah, I think he, I th- really think he could have played a couple more years as it is. Um, uh, but I think that he had his eyes and, and, and his dream was to own a team and, and I think he wanted to pursue that. But uh, you're, you're right, I mean, he he was uh, through the, and we actually, the year before I, get, I came, which was 79, they made the playoffs. So they had a decent team, at least a team that, that made the playoffs. And then 80 and 81, 82 weren't, weren't so good.
1: Right. I, I know I asked you about the legacy, but what do you miss about him most?
0: Just uh, his, is, this is, he was funny, his personality, and he was, he was really a good guy. I mean, I, I keep saying that, but he was, he really, really was a, um, a special person. I mean, he just—he was good to everybody, and I say this—he kind of knew how to be a celebrity, and 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 he could pull it off. And he was just—he was good to everybody. It really was. I mean, I—if I, you hear that, and you hear it over and over again, it must be true.
1: Is there anything I left out, story-wise, that you wanted to get to that that you had thought um, of and, and talking to you from before?
0: Our youngest son, Scotty. Um, was born. He was born on 3-4 at 10-34 in, mor- in the morning. And when I called him up, I said, Well, I said, I, our son was, we had a son who was born today. And, and hey, it's 3-4 at 10-34 in the morning. It's March, you know, March 4th. And he says, I said, I, and I was going to ask him to be the godfather. And he said, Oh well, I'm his godfather. I have to be his godfather. So it was kind of, and he came over, and he came over a couple times, brought him gifts, and it was, we, we have a picture of uh, of the two of them together. I mean, it really was, it really was special. Went to his, his baptism, and you know, which, he was a busy guy. And uh, it was down on, uh, as with Father Nick.
1: Did you ever think you'd get that close to him when you first met him? Like, that, is, it, no. is it bizarre to, to think how close, like, again, you were yeah. the one that everybody points to, like. yeah. That the possibly, and I think, and others have said it, the greatest player to ever play football. Yep. Yeah, you were you were the closest.
0: Yeah, I I got pretty close with him, and, and we we talked a lot. You know, when when he um, um, when we when we took the, and I think it's eighty three or eighty four is when we went to Platteville, mm-hmm. and he wanted to uh, uh, he wanted somewhere for the running backs to go. So he rented a motor home. And uh, so we. he says, we're, we're going to drive it up. I'm going to have somebody follow me behind and bring my car. But you and I are going to drive it up. And uh, and we, here we are. It was like, like Ed Norton, Ralph Crandom, driving this thing up, woo, 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 driving. And it was really, it was kind of funny. And we had a lot of fun. You know, most of the time we just played cards. and. And have a few beers and and uh, we had a lot of fun though. But it was his idea to do that, and it really made preseason. You know, back in those days, we kind of went at it pretty good, and uh, especially our defense was so good. And uh, so we had, we had a lot of fun. And it was just uh, um, we had we had a lot of laughs, and and uh, um, everybody got along pretty 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 well. Um, and and that goes with Dennis Gentry, and Calvin Thomas, Thomas Sanders, and we we had a we had a good group of guys that stayed together for for a while, and and Neil Anderson was was towards the end. Uh, but you know, we had this, and he was um, as good as he was as a player. I keep saying that to you, but he was just a good guy, really really, and he knew how to treat people, and he knew how to. Uh, um, make make you feel special and he and he did that for me
1: can you explain to people how weird and not everybody believes in a higher power not everybody believes in destiny and all of these different coincidence, coincidences but matt just brought it up how your dad was his son's godfather because of three four can, like do you think there's just some special stuff going on in that relation?
2: Yeah, I always do. I mean, that, uh, I don't know, when you're special and there's always something I think that follows you. I don't know what it is like with everybody else. I just know for my family, uh, the number 34 is just, it's everywhere. It's, it's every time we turn on something, we look at a clock, um, that we see like a license plate, there's that 34 is always there. So, for him to his son to be born on March 4th, and then my dad was like, "Yo, he, I, I, it's, it's given. I gotta be his godfather," and that is also my wedding date, March 4th. So all these things, that number is just synonymous with our family, and it's it's bigger now. We, I kid you not, I never really saw it growing up when my dad was around. That he's gone four or five times a day look at the clock it's 2:34 um it's it, he's always around so i think that's his way of like showing all the people that that's that he's close to and that's close to us to the family to my mom my sister and i that he's like there he's around and it's uh it's a special thing man
1: uh, we've already gone into the, your dad's affinity for racing and things like that Helicopter pilot caught me off guard. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that he flew Matt up to Platteville yeah, he,
2: in he Yeah, I mean helicopters all the time, and that was that was crazy. Even like around the last time when he was uh, right before he retired, and um, you know the the house was shaking, and <laughs> and he was inside, was and so he was getting cheap. ready to yeah, because all the stuff, all the chandeliers were shaking, and my dad had this helicopter come pick him up at at our place. And it landed in our front lawn, and somehow the South Barrington police came, and they were like trying to get him, and he had all his bags ready to go, <laughs> and they he, he ran outside, he threw his bags in, and the cops were running up trying to talk to him. He's like, "Yeah, hold on one second, hold <laughs> on one second, Closed the door." And the dude took off, and I was like, "Holy cow, this dude just
1: no, just, but he fl- but he, he flew. His I zone. know
2: he flew them, but." he would, I mean, during that process on the way there, like he would get a chance to fly while he was taking himself to, to training camp. Sure. Have you ever flown a helicopter? I'm not, I don't, I'm not getting in a helicopter (laughs) unless it's on. I I mean, I don't have a fear of flying, but that's just not my thing. Helicopters just don't do it for me. No, no, they just don't do it.
1: I got to go up once when I was on a news story and I, I was so shaken by it that I, forgot to talk into the microphone for the story so everything was shot let
2: me tell you something last thing about this dad took a helicopter up to um to platteville got there dan ron needed to get back here to wgn my dad was like here, I got this for a couple more hours. You can take it Pretty back. Are you serious? Dan, Dan flew in that helicopter back here, landed outside so he could do the newscast. On Heliport 9? Dude, how crazy is that? That's awesome. Yo, what, hey, Dan, just take it, man. It's all
1: good. I think, well, you lent a, he lent you his golf club in return. No, right?
2: I stole his golf club. <laughs> I stole Dan's golf club. Somehow, I don't even know how to play golf, and it ended up in my bag. I refuse to tell him that it was not me. And then next thing you know, we're cleaning out the house to move. And I see Dan. This is Dan's iron. iron. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Um,
1: all right. Well, we got a couple more special ones coming up. Um, until next time, I'm Rick Tarzitano. We'll talk to you soon.